Prior to his contributions, lupus was primarily considered a skin disorder. However, Osler's research and observations helped establish that lupus could affect multiple organs and systems in the body. Hello and welcome to the Men and Lupus podcast, the show that talks about lupus, its friends and the effects they have on men. My name is Michael and I'm your host. Today's episode is about when, where and how lupus was first found, plus we delve into its history. Have you all noticed something, including in my previous episode? Well, my lupus fog, or brain fog, has finally lifted, and my head is clear again. It really does mess with you when you're going through brain fog. As I've said before, it affects everything you say and do. I was really trying to focus and not make it so obvious that I had been going through brain fog, but when I listened back to the last three episodes, it is pretty clear I'm in fog mode. Well, at least it's pretty clear to me, but others may not notice the difference and just think I was being distracted while doing those episodes. I have to say, whoever named it fog was spot on. Because that's exactly what it feels like. You struggle with your thoughts and words like a person struggles to see through the foggiest night when walking. Thankfully, it has now gone. Until the next time. And I hope you all didn't mind that I left the episodes without redoing them. It did put me in a bit of a vulnerable position. And yes, I'm guessing that some listeners may have stopped. But as I mentioned in episode 9, Brain Fog. It was important for listeners to hear what it is like. As these episodes are weekly, the reality is that it will happen again. The only question is when and not if. I hope that as we take this journey of learning together, that one day in our lifetime, we'll find a solution to it and lupus in general. Especially considering so many people who get diagnosed with lupus do not know what it is. So this is a new era of diagnostic learning and discovery. Maybe as I speak today's episode should be about the history of lupus. In fact, that's what I'll do. So, through research I have found that there is three time periods of lupus discovery and understanding. Those periods are defined as the classic period, which from 1230 to 1856, the neoclassic period, which is from... 1872 to 1948 and the modern period which is from 1948 to present day. In the classic period from 1230 to 1856 a 13th century physician by the name of Rogerius used the term lupus which is Latin for wolf to describe erosive facial lesions that resembled a wolf's bite. The physician Rogerius Rogerius, made significant contributions to the understanding of lupus, a chronic autoimmune disease. He was an independent observer and is actually credited with being the first person to use the term lupus for the classic malar rash associated with the condition. Rogerius's work on lupus involved not just the description of it, but for documenting of the characteristic erosive facial lesions too. His observations helped establish the connection between the skin manifestations and the disease. In addition to his description of the malar rash, Rogerius also recommended a dressing of 
egg albumin for the treatment of lupus, which is also recommended for wounds around the neck. Egg albumin is the egg white, and the name comes from the Latin word albus, which means white. While his treatment approach may not be used today, his contributions to the understanding and recognition of lupus were significant. It is worth noting that lupus has been recognized since the Middle Ages, and Wojerius played a crucial role in its early understanding. His work laid the foundation for further research and advancements in the diagnosis and treatment of lupus. Also, although he was known as a 13th century physician, he died around 1195. And it was his pupil, Rolando de Palma, who became a professor at Bologna, who kept his work relevant by making a new edition of Rogerius's book of medicine in around 1250. The work was so well respected that it dominated its field in the whole of Europe. The original was called Pratica Chirurgia, I think. The practice of surgery, which is the uh, translation to it. I should have started with that bit, really. And my apologies for the very dodgy pronunciation. So the name we use worldwide for the condition we have was created by Physician Rogerius. The Physician Rogerius's work seems to be what was the only material used for lupus until the early 19th century. This is when the various dermatologic features of lupus were described by Thomas Bateman. He was another pioneer in the study of lupus. He lived from 1778 to 1821 and was an English physician who made significant contributions to the field of dermatology, particularly in the study of lupus. Thomas was a student of the renowned British dermatologist Robert William. Together, they worked on defining and categorizing various skin diseases. This laid the groundwork for the modern dermatology and you could say that without them, we probably would not have dermatologists now who are able to treat us for our, for our things like DLE, also known as cutaneous lupus. In the early 19th century, Bateman and William defined a new category of lupus known as lupus vulgaris. This form of lupus was categorized by nodular eruptions similar to syphilis, typically on the forehead, nose and cheeks, which led to ulcerations and scarring. It is very interesting to me because I've always been told that cutaneous lupus is also discoid lupus, but not all cutaneous lupuses can be classed as discoid. However, on the other hand, all are considered to be part of the cutaneous group of lupus. We will go through them in detail in the next episode. So Bateman's work was instrumental in the classification of lupus among tubercula, which is a Latin word which means a small nodule or not. The distinction between lupus vulgaris, also known as skin tuberculosis, and cutaneous lupus in its modern sense was not clearly made until later. Another known cutaneous lupus to have been discovered was lupus profundus, also known as lupus paniculitis, which is a rare variant of cutaneous lupus erythematosus. It primarily affects the subcutaneous fat layer beneath the skin. It is a condition that has been described in medical literature by various researchers and clinicians over time. It doesn't have a single attributed discovery, 
to a specific individual though. Instead, the understanding of Lupus Profundus seems to have evolved through the collective contributions of dermatologists, rheumatologists and researchers in the field of autoimmune disease and dermatology. The condition has been documented in medical literature through case reports, clinical studies and dermatology textbooks, contributing to the understanding of its clinical features, diagnosis and management. As a result, the knowledge about lupus profundus has been accumulated through the collaborative efforts of the medical and scientific community. While there may not be a single discoverer of lupus profundus, its recognition and characterization have been shaped by the ongoing efforts of healthcare professionals and researchers dedicated to advancing and understanding of autoimmune skin conditions. Bateman and Willen were the first to use the term lupus to describe certain types of skin conditions. They intended the term lupus to comprise together with the nolimi tangere, or tangere, which in the Latin definitions means do not touch me or do not interfere. Other slow tubercular affections, especially about the face, commonly ending in ragged ulcerations. Bateman's work, along with that of his mentor Willen, played a crucial role in the understanding and treatment of lupus. Their detailed descriptions and characterizations of various dermatologic features of lupus laid the foundations for future research and treatment of this complex disease. In conclusion, Thomas Bateman's contributions to the study of lupus have had a lasting impact on the field of dermatology. His work continues to influence our understanding and treatment of lupus today. So we have a malar or butterfly rash as it's now known, being given the name lupus by Rogerius and the first mention of that word. Then in the 19th century we get the dermatologic features of lupus being described by Thomas Bateman, a student of Robert Willen, a British dermatologist. Next is the lesions now referred to as discoid lupus were described in 1833 by Kazanave, Kazanave, under the term Arrhythma centrifugum. While the butterfly distribution of facial rash was noted by von Hebra in 1846, Kazanove, or Kazanave, whose full name is Pierre-Louis Alphie Kazanave, was a French physician who made contributions to the understanding of lupus, a chronic autoimmune disease. His work played a crucial role in shaping our understanding of the condition. In 1844, Cazenave provided the first detailed modern description of lupus erythematosus, a form of lupus that primarily affects the skin. He observed and documented the characteristic skin lesions associated with the disease, including the discoid rash and the malar rash. He is credited with coining the term lupus erythematu or lupus erythematosus to describe the condition. His classification and description of lupus represented a significant advancement in the understanding of the disease. It is important for us to remember that during this time there were limited diagnostic tools available for identifying and diagnosing lupus. Despite this challenge, Kazanave demonstrated remarkable intuitive powers of deduction in shaping our understanding of a disease. 
His work also extended beyond lupus, in a similar way to Thomas Bateman and Robert Willen. Pierre Gazanet made notable contributions to the field of dermatology, particularly in the study of various skin conditions. His observations and descriptions of dermatological conditions helped advance the field and laid the foundation for further research. It is important to note that Cazeneuve's work on lupus occurred in the 19th century, and since then there have been significant advancements in the understanding and treatment of the disease. However, his contributions were instrumental in establishing the early understanding and classification of lupus, and his work continues to be recognized in the field of dermatology. The final part to classical period regarding lupus is Ferdinand von Hebra and was born on September 7, 1816 in Vienna, Austria. He studied medicine in the University of Vienna and later became a professor of dermatology and syphilology at the same institution. He was a Austrian physician. In 1846, von Hebrod observed and described the characteristic butterfly distribution of the facial rash associated with certain skin conditions, including lupus erythematosus. The butterfly rash is characterized by a red or erythematose rash that spreads across the cheeks and bridge of the nose, resembling the shape of a butterfly. Erythematosus comes from the Greek word erythros, which translates roughly to red, and is used in reference to the red rashes and inflamed lesions in SLE and CLE. However, there's also the Latin origin, which is arrhythma, which means redness, according to the Merriam-Webster.com dictionary.com and the free dictionary.com dictionaries. Arrhythmatosis is an adjective which means exhibiting abnormal redness of the skin or mucous membranes due to the accumulation of blood in dilated capillaries, as in inflammation. So to me, it seems there could be a combination of the two definitions. Okay, so von Hebra's work on the butterfly rash helped advance the understanding and recognition of lupus erythematosus, a chronic autoimmune disease. His observations and descriptions of a rash contributed to the early identification and diagnosis of the condition. He established a dermatological clinic at the General Hospital in Vienna which became a renowned center for the study and treatment of skin diseases. His clinic played a crucial role in advancing dermatology as a specialized field of medicine. He published several influential works, including his major work, Atlas of Skin Diseases, 1856-1876, which featured detailed illustrations and descriptions of various skin conditions including the butterfly rash. His publications helped disseminate knowledge and improve the diagnosis and treatment of dermatological disorders. Ferdinand von Hebra's contributions to dermatology, particularly his work on the butterfly rash, laid the foundation for further research and understanding of lupus erythematosus and other skin diseases. His observations and descriptions continue to be referenced in medical literature and have had a lasting impact on the field of dermatology. An important point to note is, while von Hebra's work on the butterfly rash was significant, 
Further advancements and research have been made in the understanding and treatment of lupus erythematosus since his time. So far, the only lupus mentioned was the cutaneous type, which would make sense considering the lack of technology at the time. Now we'll have a look at the next period of time, which is the neoclassical period from 1872 to 1948. The neoclassical era began in 1872 where there was an important step forward when Kaposi first described the systemic nature of lupus. Moritz Kaposi was a Hungarian dermatologist and pathologist who lived from 1837 to 1902. Kaposi proposed that there were two types of lupus erythematosus, the discoid form and a disseminated systemic form. He enumerated various signs and symptoms which characterized the systemic form, including subcutaneous nodules, arthritis, and synovial hypertrophy, which is a swelling of the synovial lining, which is a tissue that covers the joint capsules of both small and large joints, lymphadenopathy, which is a swelling of the lymph nodes, fever, weight loss, anemia, and central nervous system involvement. The existence of a systemic form of lupus was firmly established in 1904 by the work of Osler in Baltimore and Jardison in Vienna. Over the next 30 years, pathological studies documented the existence of non-bacterial varicose endocarditis, which is Libman-Sachs disease, which is a form of non-bacterial endocarditis that is seen in association with systemic lupus erythematosus, antiphospholipid syndrome, and malignancies. It is one of the most common cardiac manifestations of lupus, the most common being pericarditis, and wire loop lesions in individuals with glomerulonephritis which observations at the autopsy table led to the construct of collagen disease proposed by Kemperer and colleagues in 1941. Glomerulonephritis is inflammation of the tiny filters in your kidneys. Glomeruli. Glomeruli remove excess fluid, electrolytes and waste from your bloodstream and pass them into your urine, as defined by the Mayer Clinic. William Osler was a prominent physician who made contributions to the field of medicine, including his work on lupus. Although Osler did not make a diagnosis of lupus erythematosus in patients, he did play a crucial role in recognizing and describing the disease. In the late 19th century, he was the first physician-in-chief of the newly established John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. During his time at John Hopkins, Osler made important observations and advancements in the understanding of various medical conditions, including lupus. Osler's work on lupus in Baltimore was part of a broader effort to characterize and classifies systemic lupus erythematosus as a distinct disease. Prior to his contributions, lupus was primarily considered a skin disorder. However, Osler's research and observations helped establish that lupus could affect multiple organs and systems in the body. So we can see here the deeper understanding of what lupus does to the body. One of Osler's notable achievements was his collaboration 
with dermatologist Maritz Kaposi, who I mentioned earlier. Together, they helped establish the existence of a systemic form of lupus in 1904. This work, conducted in Baltimore and Vienna, respectively laid the foundation for future research and understanding of lupus as a complex autoimmune disease. Osser's contributions to the study of lupus were made in collaboration with other researchers and physicians. Overall, William Osler's work in Baltimore on lupus focused on recognizing and describing the systemic nature of the disease, contributing to its classification as a distinct entity beyond its cutaneous manifestations. His contributions have had a lasting impact on the field of medicine and continue to shape our understanding of lupus today. Talking about Vienna and working with other researchers, that brings us to the last known contributor of the neoclassical period, Jardison, also known as Joseph Jardison, was born on September the 10th, 1863 in Lejnica, Poland. He lived from 1863 to 1936 and was a dermatologist who also made contributions to the field of dermatology, including to the study of lupus. In 1904, Jardison, along with William Osler, played a crucial role in establishing the existence of a systemic form of lupus. He also published an exhaustive review of discord and systemic lupus erythematosus LE in the same year. This review included detailed information about the clinical features and pathological findings of the disease. Joseph Jardison was a pioneering dermatologist who influenced the development of his speciality in many ways. He introduced the patch test for the detection of various skin conditions which included lupus. Jardison collaborated with other researchers and physicians, as I mentioned before, to advance the understanding of lupus. His collaboration with William Osler, Ferdinand von Hebra, and other prominent figures in the field helped shape the knowledge and classification of lupus. His work on lupus and other dermatological conditions has had a lasting impact on the field of dermatology. His observations and descriptions of lupus contributed to the recognition of lupus as a complex autoimmune disease affecting multiple organs and systems in the body. He provided valuable insights into the clinical features and pathologic findings of the disease. So now to the current time, which is the modern period from 1948 to present day. There have been several modern breakthroughs in the research, study and treatment of lupus since 1948. The modern period was marked by the discovery of the lupus erythematosus LE cell in 1948 by Hargraves and colleagues as also known as the Hargraves cell. This cell is formed as a reaction of the lupus factor with the nucleus of a normal polynuclear cell. The discovery of the LE cell by Hargraves and his colleagues was a sentinel event that marked the beginning of the modern era in lupus research. They discovered these cells in the bone marrow of patients with acute disseminated lupus erythematosus. This progression of discovery paved the way for the application of immunology to the study of lupus. Also in the same year, 
Philip Hench MD demonstrated the therapeutic activity of compound E cortisone for the treatment of lupus in the same year. Malcolm Hargraves was an American clinical hermatologist who played a significant role in the study and diagnosis of lupus. Since then, researchers have identified several immunopathogenic pathways involved in the development of systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE. Apparently, aspirin was the first drug approved to treat lupus in 1948. In 2020 and 2021, anifrolumab and voclosporin were approved for the treatment of lupus or lupus nephritis, offering new options for those of us who have it. The LE cell is formed as a reaction of the lupus factor and the nucleus of a normal polynuclear cell. The identification of LE cell by Hargraves and Morton emphasized the systemic nature of lupus and marked the beginning of the modern era in lupus research. Robert Morton was a medical doctor who had involvement in the study of lupus, along with his colleague Malcolm Hargraves. Morton's involvement in lupus research helped advance our understanding of this complex autoimmune disease. There have been numerous clinical trials conducted to better understand and treat lupus. For instance, a study at the Mayo Clinic is testing the hypothesis that subjects with active system lupus erythematosus SLE will benefit from correcting their omega-3 deficiency. Another study is assessing the safety and tolerability of JNJ5592839 a drug for patients with mild to moderate SLE. A recent study developed the Type 2 Physician Global Assessment or Type 2 PGA to better understand and evaluate the range of SLE symptoms and manifestations as well as other forms of lupus. In addition to this, there have been advances in the management of SLE, including the current state of genetics, epigenetics, differences by ancestry, and updates about the molecular and immunological pathogenesis of SLE. These advancements have greatly expanded our knowledge about lupus and what it does and treatments of this illness. In conclusion, the history of lupus and the ongoing research into its causes and treatment reflect just how complex the disease is and the dedication of some in the scientific community to understand lupus and find ways of improving the lives of those of us who are affected by it. In today's episode, we spoke about the progression of lupus discoveries from the name of lupus through to systemic lupus being recognized and the effects it has. We also found out the discovery of other lupus conditions. We even covered some of the medications used for lupus, but unfortunately there's still no known cure yet. So let's hope that progress continues to be made this year of 2024. We must never give up hope that one day a cure will be found. Maybe the discovery of the LE cell will help with that. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this episode of the Men and Lupus podcast. Please subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. 
Also, please leave a rating and review because that will be really helpful. May your hearts be filled with love, happiness, faith and peace. God bless you. To the disclaimer, the content in this podcast and on my webpage is not intended to contribute or be a substitute for professional medical advice of your doctor or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Never delay in seeking professional medical advice.